Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm super pumped that you're hanging out with us today in Insurance Town because I've got uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, it is my father, Wayne Sheeran, is going to be hanging out with us today. You've heard about him for the last two years. I finally talked him into coming in studio and doing a podcast with me. It's pretty easy for him now. Quick commute. He's right next door, believe it or not. So after all these years of not working together, now he's right next door to me. So I asked him to walk over a couple of steps and sit down with me. So before we get into that, though, I want to talk to you about my sponsors and my good friends over at Smart Choice. They are the fastest growing agency network for a reason. And uh, they just want to come in and help you grow your agency. They have no lengthy contracts, no upfront fees. And they share in their bonus and contingencies. Uh, they do a fantastic job. They even come in and lower your volume commitments and they help you by increasing your commissions. Go to smartchoiceagents.com and tell them the mayor sent you. Also, my good friends over at Canopy Connect. Canopy Connect is your one-click solution to getting the deck pages you need to quote your prospects. They've been with me since the very beginning, folks, and I love having them as a sponsor of my show. And uh, you'll be hearing from Tolga pretty soon. I've got him lined up to come talk to you guys about what's going on next with them. But uh, go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath and get your discount, get your uh, demo. Check out what they've got going on at Canopy Connect. Again, uh, your one-click solution to getting the deck pages you need to quote your prospects. Now, on to today's show. Uh, again, sitting right in front of me. I've never done a live intro before, but I've got uh, Wayne Sheeran sitting right in front of me right now. And so I can't wait to introduce you guys to him. He's uh, been in the business over 50 years, started off and continued throughout his career in the life and health space. He's taught me everything I know about prospecting, everything I know about sales. Before I give him too much of a big head, let me just introduce to you my father, Wayne Sheeran. Wayne Sheeran, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I am good. I'm going to do my best not to call you dad, but I'll probably end up saying dad several times. That'll be all right. Um, so before we get too far into personal business, why don't we take a quick walk down memory lane? Let's talk about Wayne Sheeran. Tell me as far back as you want to and tell me about your past. Well, he, you know, we're, we're all from Nashville. And when I got back from school, I went to work as a retailer. I bought uh, uh, ladies ready to wear. And I decided to get in the insurance business part-time. So my my... Uh, took my license in 1967. Wow. So that was about 53 years ago. And uh, I always did it part-time while I was working at a retail store and decided that if I could make enough money in the insurance business, working nights around the kitchen table, selling Joe and Mary a life insurance policy, if I could make enough to uh, equal what I was making at the retail store, then I quit go full time. So I went full time in 1970, and it's been great ever since. 1970. 1970. That is wild. And so, uh, where? So in 1970, where were you at? Are you you were in Nashville. Where were you working at that point? Were you working for yourself or? Uh, went, I was uh, I was a general agent for a company, Life of Alabama. Okay. And um, prior to that, on a part-time basis, I was with a company in Springfield, Illinois, Frank, the Franklin Life Insurance Company. Yeah. And they specialized in a, a life insurance program that we called the President's Plan. And it was one of the most neat and valuable and sellable uh, insurance plan that I've ever sold since then. So I learned to sell that, again, with Jim and Mary across the kitchen table. A great plan. And so similar to me, and the, my audience knows my story a little bit, but 
you have spent time in the home office of life insurance companies, and you've also been on the streets selling insurance throughout your whole career. Um, what do you think that's helped you throughout your career to know the ins and outs of the home office versus being out in the field? What's been kind of the, the fun part of that for you? Well, the fun part for me was um, I was in two home offices. In fact, uh, I was in a home office in Jackson, Mississippi, where you were born. That's right. And uh, I was vice president of the agency department. And uh, I think what I enjoyed about that year and a half there is is putting together a training program. And I think that's what got me into excited about training agents. And so I think that's the best what I what I took what I got from the uh, working with the insurance departments, not the insurance departments, the insurance company is I saw both sides. I saw the underwriting side and I saw I understood the underwriting side more, and I also got a chance to travel the country and, and uh, train agents. One of the things that I've noticed since I've been in the business with you over the years is you've had such an impact on so many agents, whether they're in Tennessee or in Arkansas or all over the place. And different agents say, man, your dad taught me so much, and your dad did this for me, and your, your dad's helped me with that. And I could say the same thing in my own career, but if you know, I've got a lot of uh, listeners on this show that are first-time producers or new in the business or, you know, they just don't, they don't know where they're going to go in their career. So what's one piece of advice you could tell someone in sales if they're starting off their career in sales? What's one piece of advice you would give somebody? What's the first thing you tell them? Well, first of all, Heath, it's a change in business. It's not like it used to be when I yeah. started full-time in 1970. But I do have agents come up to me and, and uh, in their own way ask me what they need to do once they graduate from license by it and I always tell them is you got to plan your work and work your plan you got to go out and see people that's never going to change uh, regardless of what the social media and all the other uh, media is going on uh, that will never change you got to see people you got to get out every day and see people and I can remember when you started the business the first day you came in my office and I tell the story from time to time you said dad where is my dad and I said good I said son you don't have a dad you don't you're not going to work in the office you're going to be outside seeing the people. So I'll never forget that. And I tell that story from time to time. And, and that's that's a dead honest truth. And I remember, you know, I remember that day, and I'll never forget that. And you taught me so much from that. If you're in the office, you're losing money. And if you're in your office sitting behind the desk, then you're not out prospecting. And, and you taught me that. And I've used that so many times on the podcast. I've said it in my trainings with agents that you got to work your plan and plan, wait, plan your work and work your plan. And uh, I remember you had a, a, a worksheet you used to give me that I'd have to go through and plan out. And now it's funny looking back, fast forwarding 20 years now, I use a worksheet very similar to that with the producers that I train now and, you know, being out their activity and it's all about activity. And that's the thing you taught me is it's having activity and being out. That's right. That's right. Uh, again, I mentioned it's a change in business. When I first started, uh, there was no other way to do it. Other than right. get out and, and beat the streets. But nowadays, uh, agents think they can come in the first year and make their dream income. And it doesn't really happen like that. So a lot of it, and I'm talking life and health agents mainly, but agents fail because of that, because they think they're going to just make a lot of money right off, and they're not. And I tell them, you're not going to make your dream, dream income in our business the first two or three years. You don't make a living, you're going to pay your bills. But where your dream income comes in is when you work hard and see the people and get out every morning and just go make 20 calls a day and you'll see that it'll all add up. And then two or three years from now, you'll see your dream income come true. Yeah, I'll never forget you telling me that. 20 calls a day. And this was, you know, folks that 
that you've heard me tell my story. This is before Google. This is before really the internet boom of, you know, being able to search for anything you want to, you know, dad just said, get out and go knock on doors or call on businesses. And I figured real quickly, I could get a lot more. And that's how you got into it as well was with Worksite, you know, going out to businesses. This was back when I first started. It was much better for me to go after commercial accounts than it was individuals because I could hit 20 or 30 people in one spot. And uh, just having that activity of getting out, I thought you were crazy at first. And sure enough, by about the eighth or ninth call, I'd probably have an appointment. And sometimes I'd be honest, I'd be lazy and say, I got one, I'm done. And I'd call you and you'd say, no, get back out, do you know, do 10 more and see if you can get more. And I'll never forget, you're right, that ratio somehow worked 20. Um, and again, some people may have to do 50 or maybe do 10, but usually 20. And so did somebody teach you that or just something you just kind of figured out through experience? Well, through experience, but when you say make 20 calls, it's not going into an employer's business and asking if the boss man's there, if the owner's there. It's going in and meeting him, shaking his hand, whether you're just, you're just um, getting to know him a little bit. Just introducing yourself and leaving, but you get his card. That's a call. The call is not when you go in and ask the gatekeeper, can I see the owner? And she says he's not here yet uh, right now. And you leave and say, okay, I've made my first call. It's not that. It's actually getting in to meet the owner. And we used to do that a lot. We used to do what we call basic training. And uh, we would pair up, go to a town, spend three nights in a hotel. And we would go, we would pair up and get... Um, We'd have to make those 16, we'd have to make 16 calls a day, 30 minute lunch. And the end of the day, we would all get back to the motel room and we would put our best bets up on the board. And we really generated a lot of business from that. Just getting out and having a partner that you can you can work with and you can, the partner would go in one, one place and make an approach. And then we'd get back out in the car and we'd critique that person. Hey, how did I do? And the next time it would be my turn. So um, anyway, that was one way we got people out cold call. And so, and I, I, I completely agree with you. I think there's too many people, I like to call them keyboard warriors. They want to sit behind the computer and say, well, I emailed 45 people today. Why am I not getting business? I'm like, it's, it's got to go beyond sending an email. You have to get in front of people. And, you know, even those people just want to hide behind the phone. I still think get in front of people. So I've got producers who still ask me, um, how do I, what do I do to get past the gatekeeper? What are some things I can do? And to me, I always tell them the old school approach is the best way. So when you walk in somewhere blind, you've never been in there before and you see gatekeeper Julie or Sally, what, what are your, what's your tactics? Well, uh, you've heard me say this before, but I have a Colombo approach. I love it. Keep going. And I, for those who don't know the Colombo approach, uh, Colombo was a detective back in the 70s and 80s, a detective show. And uh, it was played by Peter Falk, and there would be a, it'd be a murder mystery, and the murder would, would um, occur, and Colombo got in his old car and his old trench coat, the hair all messed up, and he drives to the murder scene, and you think the poor guy is never going to solve this murder. But he drives off in his old car, and he solved that murder, and he becomes a hero in my mind, and I can't wait till the next uh, week and uh, follow Colombo again and see how he solves the murders. Well, I kind of do that. I, I didn't, I didn't, when I grew up in the business, when I started the business, I said, I'm not I never said that I'm going to be a Columbo, but I think it's my comfort zone. I like to go in. I don't have anything with me. I don't like to look like a salesman. And so I don't care if my card's in with me. I just go in and uh, the first thing you have to do and 
this is pretty normal, pretty common. You've got to go in and you've got to find something that, that's of interest to the gatekeeper. And of course, you look for pictures in, on the on the credentials in the back of her desk. You look for golf clubs in the corner. Uh, even before you go in, you look for boats. You look for anything on the outside that you can readily, when you walk in the door, you can mention it. And uh, I've been pretty successful with gatekeepers, but it's got to, it's got to be quick. You got to. As soon as you walk in the door, before you do anything, you wipe your feet off on the mat. Gives you about 10 seconds or so to kind of look around and get an idea of what you're going to talk about. And if it's a picture of young children, or if it's a picture of a man fishing or whatever. Um, back in our day, before we had Google, it was a lot difficult. But now, you can even Google the place before you walk in and know the owner's name, at least, to be able to walk in and say, hey, is Wayne Sharon in? So I think you do have a leg up there, but... You still need to be able to get past that gatekeeper and warm them up a little bit and talk a little bit, right? Once I get past the gatekeeper, and I was really good at it as well, and I won some trips with you and did really well early on, and, and even in my career throughout, I did really well at this because once I got past, I didn't even talk insurance once I got in there. I would always just get in front of the gate or the, the boss or the HR director, who it was, and just have a conversation, you know, and eventually they'll probably, like, what, are you, what are you here for or whatever, but yeah, you got to make them, you got to, you got to make them like you right off. They've got to, they've got to like you. And uh, it's just all about that, that 15 seconds, 20 seconds you have to warm that gatekeeper up as much as you can. And I've been like, I've, I've done that same thing. Uh, finally, the gatekeeper will say, by the way, what are you here for? And I've already talked about the weather. I've talked about <laughs> sports or whatever. Yeah. And I've warmed her up. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the same thing with the once you get past the gate to the boss. I think you don't even talk insurance. You just like all the things you can help them with without even mentioning insurance. Well, I always tell agents, you know, all you're doing, your whole goal when you're out cold calling is just get, uh, get going and meet them for, try to meet him, uh, get, 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 get as much information as you can. But just set an appointment for the next. That's time. all it is. Don't kind of do a stand-up presentation. No, I think you you lose people that way when you get too far into that. One of the things old school I wanted to ask you about, um, and this is real old school. I don't even follow this very well, folks, but I should. What? Let me ask you this pop quiz. I didn't tell Dad any questions ahead of time, but what are the first two things that someone looks at when you're walking in the door to come see them? You taught me this my whole life. Yeah. Well, I was say shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say shoes, but I wasn't sure, but. But yeah. uh, when when I'm a, when I'm approaching a, a prospective employer, uh, I, for some reason I do look at their shoes. You do, and I, I think uh, it, things have changed since yeah. then. Because here I am uh, wearing uh, hokas here in your office, and uh, they're very very casual. Right. I knew I wouldn't go to see anybody today, but you. But um, but back then, your shoes need to be at least clean. Yeah, uh, and and I'm, I'm I'm looking at it from the employer, looking at, at you, the agent. Uh, you got to have clean shoes. If they're all muddy, it makes a bad impression. Uh, the cars, um, I've always taught you all, you got to have a clean car. It's important because what if you're taking the employer to lunch? Right. Uh, so that's important. Now, of course, there's a lot of other things as your 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 hygiene, your teeth, your uh, your hair is all, uh, yeah. all those things. So. Yeah, I think you're right. And I uh, I just think it's funny. You taught me that forever. And I know that's the one, all the advice you've given me throughout my career, I usually follow it. But that one thing you always tell me, you know, your car is so dirty, son. You clean up. Your, right. <laughs> you always right. get on me about my car. Yeah. And But I got three kids that are always spilling Cheerios and all kinds of crap in my car. And then my shoes. But uh, I usually wear shoes that I can't really clean, like whether they're Hey Dudes or Skechers or whatever. But uh, anyhow, I um, I also, you know, now we've gotten into that cold call and whatnot. 
one of the other things that you've always talked to me about is having kind of that, that mindset of a salesperson. And you taught me, and one of the things I even teach my kids this day is we don't give up, we don't quit. And, you know, having that just, because you have to have a certain mindset to be a good producer. And there's so many people that have that negative or that losing mindset before they can go into a call. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to get this one or, you know, what, I don't know enough. Uh, what would you say about that? Well, I'd say the the first time you get a uh, a positive uh, answer from an employer, even a gatekeeper, that builds your confidence. Uh, confidence uh. Yeah. So you've got to continue to do that. Uh, you, you you expect no. You got you expect no. For every no you expect, like you get, you know, down the road somewhere you're gonna get a yes. And it's all about consistency, persistency, and uh, just getting out, and making those calls. Um, that that's that's. That's it. Just seeing the people. Yeah, it's hard for a lot of people, though, to get those no's. I guess you get conditioned to it after 50 yeah. years of hearing no. Because, again, if you're making 20 calls a day, you're going to get probably 15 at least no's in a day. You just got to be ready for it. Yeah, ready to for it. it. It's just what I tell agents, uh, going back to attitude, when they go out that day and they say, I've got to make calls, I've got to make calls, my manager expects it, I've got a sales meeting this Friday, and he's going to call on me, I know. Rather than have that attitude or that mindset, get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go out and make calls, I'm going to meet a lot of people, and I'm going to have fun. If you have that attitude, it makes a big difference. It, it makes a huge difference. Just go to have fun. Uh, we always, always also talk teach people that when you get up in the morning you got to have to make it to have a good attitude uh you got to spend some time uh, i spend time every morning because every morning about 4 30 or 5 i've always done this uh-huh. i have my quiet time i have my exercise time i clean up take a shower uh this may sound uh dumb to people but i make sure that if sarah doesn't make the bed up i make the bed up if you, if, I always ask this in class. I, I always ask a question. How many of you get up in the morning and make your bed up? And about half the class raises their hand. Say, yeah, I make my bed up. And the others are just looking at me with a puzzled look. But that's one thing that you'll, if you'll make your bed up, and it sound, I know it sounds funny, if you'll make your bed up, if you're, if you're a girl, for sure, if you're a guy, just, if that's part of it, it makes a big difference. Make it does. Difference in your attitude. I think it's huge having that morning routine and being okay. able to go through your morning. You know that once you start off with some sort of routine, whether it's quiet time, making your bed, eating breakfast, having coffee, then once you've done that and you check that off, you realize you've done something and you've had something productive in your day. And that's something for me that uh, I've learned over time. And if I don't do that, but once I start to have that one pile, check something on my list, I've gotten it done, I feel good, then the rest of my day is that much better. That's right. When I leave in the morning, most mornings, I'll look at your mama and I'll say, honey, I'm going to have a, I'm going to hit a home run today. And sometimes, especially the days I'm teaching classes or class, I'll hear, I'll get a text from her and she'll, the text is always better up. Yeah. And I tell you what, a, what a vote of confidence that I get from her when she says better up. She knows <laughs> that I'm somewhere along the line during the day. Maybe at the end of the day, I've hit a home run. That's a great story. Uh, and, and I love to hear that. And so I also, I love hearing stories. You know, everybody loves hearing stories from their dad or whatnot. But you told a story and, you know, I'm going to name drop for just a minute. Uh, but, you know, dad and I have uh, more dad than anything else. But dad's got a family friend that y'all may know and may have heard of named Gus Malzahn. Um 
coaching the NCAA, and he used to coach at Auburn. I think he's won a national championship. He was in Arkansas for a little bit uh, as an assistant, but he's a friend of my dad's. He told a story to me one time in training about when Gus Malzahn was a high school coach. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, uh, he would go on Thursday night, and he'd go out and strike the field, and. You always had to uh, wash the uniform. That was his, that was a job. I don't know if he was required to do that, but he had to strike the fields. And uh, when someone asked me, and of course, Gus, you're right, Gus has gone on to uh, uh, do very well. He's still coaching down in, um, in South Florida. But I always tell this story because when agents do come up and ask me uh, what they need to do, uh, I can say, I can tell them see the people. We talked about that earlier in the show, but I'll, sometimes I'll say, go out and strike the field. And they give me this puzzle look. <laughs> I'll tell them the Gus Malazan story. Uh, another story on, on Gus, uh, I was training his wife, Christy, uh, when she first got the insurance business back when they lived in Rogers, so in Springdale. And um, one day we were out cold calling and she said, let's go by the school, Shallow Christian, and um, I'll I want you to meet Gus. So we went by there, and Gus was had a like it looked like a grocery cart. It was a a cart, and he was going around the rooms, each room, and collecting library books. And I don't remember what they paid him extra, but I think one hundred fifty dollars a month to pay him in addition to his coaching to pick those library books up. And I thought when I when I after I met him, I thought, gee, that's that's something to have a part time job. I don't know what his coaching salary was back then, but going from that uh, to two years ago, Auburn wrote him a check for $14 million. Right. So what a success story. I, I really admire Gus Malzahn. It's a great success story. Uh, whether you like him or not, whether you're an SEC fan or not, whether you're an Auburn fan or not, or uh, whatever, you know, he's coached a lot of places. you got to respect that to come up from nothing, that bootstrap type of story. I just think it's fantastic. And, you know, to hear that, because people think, you know, when they first started, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be there. And, you know, I tell people a lot, and, you know, so I used to think of it as a detriment, but now I can't. But uh, I don't have that come up story. I can't tell people that, oh, I came from nothing and I've been broke because you provided a great career for me, a great lifestyle for me. You know, we lived in the country club and we went to the golf course. We ate dinners. At, but that to me motivated me as I got older because I want to be like that too. I want to provide that same life for my family. And I saw that. And I'm sure we had our tough times. I'm sure we were down some and, you know, having to do certain things. But I, I can't ever relate to people that say they have that come up story like you. I mean, my dad has that. I don't. But it did motivate me in a different way to be able to say, I want to provide that same lifestyle for my own kids. We're at a mid-roll ad, a mid-roll ad, ladies and gentlemen, and I hate to interrupt this fantastic episode, but we got to do it. Uh, I get to do it. I get to talk about these phenomenal sponsors, uh, and, and they're people that care about you. One of them wants to be your BFF. <laughs> We're talking about agency performance partners. Uh, they come in and they become BFF to agency owners all across the country, and they want to help you uh, by helping you to tackle some of the biggest challenges in our industry. Uh, whether it's efficiency, uh, whether it's retention, sales, commercial sales. Uh, they even put out a brand new course that just released this week called Wow Customer Service. That's exactly what kind of customer service you want for your agency. Is them to get them like, wow, what a great experience. They can help you with that. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check out the Wow Customer Service course. And right now, if you're listening to it today, on the 1020 until the end of this month, you can get that course 50% off. AgencyPerformancePartners.com. 
Also, my friends over at CoverDesk, if you're looking to add staff, if you're looking to increase uh, your productivity, if you're looking to offload administrative tasks, if you're looking to grow your team and you're looking for a great alternative to someone live in your office, let's just face it, it's hard to hire these days. Go to CoverDesk. Look at a virtual assistant. They can do so many amazing things. And they go through extensive training with the team over at CoverDesk on the insurance industry. So they know our business. They can help you in so many ways in your agency. They become a part of your team, your family, your uh, whatever you want to call it at your office. They become a part of your culture every day. And it's fantastic. You want to bring in a virtual assistant? Look no further than CoverDesk. CoverDesk, CoverDesk, CoverDesk. Go to CoverDesk.com. You can also hire a team of CoverDesk employees called CoverDesk Direct. And they can come in and do book roles. They can quote for you. They can handle so many things like that on the front end. Little projects you need done. CoverDesk Direct helps you with that. Go to CoverDesk.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be so happy that you did. Now let's get back to the show. When I first started the business, I thought I wanted to sell big policies. And I did make a million dollar roundtable and so on. But I think I wanted to be out. I wanted to be busy all the time. And the best way to be busy is to have 30 or 40 people you can see in a week's time. So um, anyway, it's been a good market for me. I don't do much selling anymore. Uh, I love training. I do more training now. So one of the things I will say, and I'll talk to for a second, is you know, me being the mayor of insurance town, it kind of started off as a joke several years back because I got to know so many people in the industry. And, and um, you know, I could walk into any room at any conference and I know somebody. And a lot of that came from you, obviously. And even to this day, um, my kids, you know, my, my daughter's in the room next door. She could probably agree that she hates going out to eat with me sometimes because I know everybody in the room. And that was something I saw you growing up uh, in Maumelle, the town that we live in, which is a suburb of Little Rock. I think within the first year we moved here, you wrote the city of Maumelle, correct? Everywhere we went, you would know somebody because you either wrote their insurance or you talked to them about their insurance or you knew them because of this or that, um, being out and about and involved. Well, it's all about networking and you're you're good at networking, but when we first moved here, uh, I joined the Maumel Rotary, and I joined the Maumel Chamber of Commerce. And in some of the classes I teach, I always ask people, how many of you, by show of hands, belong to a civic organization, Rotary, Gowanus, something, and yeah. so on. And uh, it surprises me because most of I don't, I don't get a majority of hands right. Isn't that wild? And we, after we talk about it, and, and we always do an evaluation after class, and I always get, I've learned that I need to go and jump and network. And the way I can network, the easiest way I network is belong to uh, a social organization, civic organization like Rotary. So, so I think, yeah, that's where I got my start, because uh, I, I got involved in the city of Momentum. In, in, in the Momentum itself, and uh, it made a big difference. And I don't think I've ever been anywhere with you, at least early on in your career, for sure. Not early on, but early on in my lifetime. You never met anybody. You didn't ask them about their insurance somehow. Yeah. Who does your insurance or, you know, who who runs the insurance program here or something like that? And I think it didn't matter if you were at the grocery store, at Walmart, or if you were at a restaurant. You'd always find out about their insurance or what they do or something. I think that's fascinating. I just, you know, is that just something like you would tell other people to do? Is it just something that you just do because you're inquisitive like that or just part of prospecting? 
Well, it's all about asking questions, and I, I think you do this as well, but uh, I drive the mom crazy sometimes, even now. Uh, but it makes you memorable. Like uh, People like you and I, Stacy, my wife, gets upset because I could walk in any room, anywhere. If they've met me once, they remember me because I've asked them some sort of question. That's probably similar to you as well. You can probably walk in a lot of rooms like, oh, there's Wayne, you know, and ask you about you. And I think you've got to be that way to stand out from the crowd and stand yeah. out from the competition. You're right. You do. So I, I, uh, that's that's one important thing for new agents to get involved. Get involved in their community. Give back to their community. That's what that's yeah. what Rotary did for me. It, it uh, not only did I, you don't, you're not supposed to join Rotary to get prospects. You're not, that's not right. your, that's not your your motive. You join Rotary, Rotary to serve the community, and it gave me a chance to to see how we could serve the community as a group. So I, I enjoy Rotary. Just a couple more questions I want the audience to hear about from you, because, again, something I learned. And I, I would say a key to your success, uh, majority of your career, was being involved in niches. Would you say I'm right in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how did you, because niches now are a big buzzword in the last 10 or 12 years. But I can vouch, 30 years ago, even, Dad was involved in niches. And he had his own company associated marketing group that was all about those niches. Tell me how you came about that. It gives a little bit of advice along the way on that. Okay. Uh, back, you're right. Back in the mid-70s, even in, up in the mid-80s, so about 10 years span there, uh, when there was no social media. Um, and when we lived in Nashville, uh, a group of us, a group of agents that I recruited, uh, we decided that we would get involved in target marketing and it wasn't called target marketing. We didn't have a name for it, but we belonged to, we joined the Arkansas, the Tennessee Nursing Home Association and also the Tennessee Hospital Association. And we became members. We became associate members. And once you become associate members in one of those target markets, then you're one of them. So you could go, now you could go, you could travel Tennessee and Art and Alabama, and you could talk about being a member of their association. So automatically, it's a warm lead. Automatically, it's a warm association because people, they're going to welcome you because being a, being a member of an association means revenue to the association. So we used to do trade shows back then, and we did very well. I did have a company called Healthcare Benefits back then, so people could identify with our name. So I think that's how we got started. But when we moved here to Arkansas, we belonged to, a, back in the day, we belonged to a lot of associations, and that's how we got most of our business. We wrote, we, you know, we had a million-dollar agency every year, and I think that's how we got I know that's how a big part of how we became successful here. When I say we, not necessarily me, but the agency but we had. Agency, you know, yeah. yeah. We did very well. Uh, and that's something I've always took with me, even when I was a salesperson, you know, and I had my agency, I was heavily involved in the HVAC Association, and I was involved in, with writing restaurants and hotels and different niches, but it all goes back to what I learned from you. And I got my start in nursing homes with you guys. Uh, and you had several of your agents in your agency that did nursing homes. And man, it was, it was just fun because you knew when you got in, you, you learned their language, you learned to speak speak their, you know, their language, knew their hurts, knew their struggles, and you knew how much they got paid on average, and you knew what to look for. You knew whatever. It was it was nice. And you knew their breaks. You knew yeah. When you were working in a hospital or nursing home, you knew when they fed patients in the morning, when they bathed patients, so you knew that was a good time to set up group meetings. 
And yeah, I think that works for PNC or Life and Health. Yeah. Again, if you get to know their lingo and you learn some of their problems, you learn some of those, identify some of those pain points, it's a lot easier for you to speak there and go in and make a proposal to say, you know, typically what we see is da da da, or what we have is this. And so we have this program for that. And I think it works masterfully. And I think I'm so glad that that you taught me that early on, you and your team taught me a lot of that. And so, um, you know, a couple other things that, uh, and when you mentioned trade shows, uh, and I talk about this a lot, uh, I want to see again, I'm going to put you to the test if you answer this correctly, but when someone walked in a trade fair that you were, that you were doing, what's the first thing they would smell? <laughs> they smell over-spunk cookies. Where did that come from? Because I'll never forget, people love coming to trade shows because there'd be a line a mile long for your cookies. I think it's so important, and I'm glad you asked that because uh, I do want to talk about this just a minute. Uh, I've been doing trade shows for a long time. I haven't done one in probably yeah. a couple of years now, three years, maybe back four years. But we were doing a lot of trade shows. Uh, we used to, back in the day, we used <laughs> to try to decide what would draw people to our booth. What would draw people out of it? And of course, we first started out with just candy, candy ball on the, uh, on the uh, table. Uh, and then we went to, uh, back years ago, we went to black and white TVs. There wasn't many, there wasn't, uh, color TVs were too expensive. So we'd get a little black and white TV and said, this TV, we draw for this TV. Then I think we went to popcorn machine. Uh, we went to, we, uh, we, sh- we shine shoes. Uh, that was a neat way to, to get people to your, to your trade show because word got out. Hey, if you go over to number, booth number 100, you can get your shoe shine. But what the whole idea with us is a person would sit in a chair. You say, Hey, you want to get your shoe shine? You want to get your shoe shine? Come on over. Just take a few minutes. Okay. I'll do that. They say. So they sit in the chair and while they're shining, we're shining their shoes. We're talking to them about a dental plan or about a retirement plan or whatever. So anyway, leading up to that, I think, uh, and that was the shiny shoes was good. Uh, we had a masseuse uh, to come in and do neck massages, and that was wonderful, too. I, I think the idea of cookies uh, may have been my idea, I guess, but uh, back when we, we first moved here 30 years ago, uh, I went to Otis Funtman. I went to uh, a, a, a refrigerator company. It wasn't... Um, can't remember the name of it now, but I knew they they sold these cookies to schools. They were Otis Funkmeyer cookies, and I bought a case. Kind of a long story short, I bought a case, and then I know I needed a, a, a cookie oven. I wasn't a cookie oven you could buy at Walmart. It was a cookie oven specifically for Otis Funkmeyer cookies. So I finally got me a cookie oven. And we tried those cookies out, and it was the best thing we ever did because those cookies would take 17 minutes to bake them, a couple minutes to cool them off, and people were literally standing by our trade show, our, our booth, with a napkin in their hand, waiting to the, for those cookies to come out. And, of course, what we would do while they were waiting is we talked to them about what we did. And one other thing I thought was interesting, as we went along the trade shows, we became popular, and all the other vendors wanted to be close to us. Yeah. Because if they were close to us, they knew we were the draw, and they would get they would get they would get the effects of that. They would get the benefits of that. Uh, we also taught people when you go into when you see a map of a trade show, you always go. You always be want to go right. You always want to be the first people in that first part of the trade show, because when they go on around to the end of it, they're tired. 
the bags full of yeah. prizes. They want to just get back to their hotel room. But if you can get on the right side, so we always want to tell the association, we want to be on the right side for people. Most people will go right when they go in their trade show. They won't go left and they won't go in the middle. They go right. So we always had a booth there. We enjoyed trade shows. They were very popular. No, I remember I, I started off cutting my teeth doing trade shows with you. And so I also think it's interesting. One of the other things you taught me as we wind down is um, you would send me out. If there was 100 vendors, you would send me out to each one of the other vendors because they have businesses. They're business owners. And we're in the insurance business. So why not go, whether you're going to get their workers' comp or their general liability or their dental and vision, as you mentioned earlier, Um well, that was a huge thing I never thought about. I was like, I was just thinking my customer is a guy walking through. Yeah. But no, these other people are business owners. We got more business off of train show vendors than we did anybody else. Yeah, it was really, so fun. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed that. Yeah, we sure did. And that was something I learned from you that I'll never forget. So, um, you know, it's funny that I'm sitting here in this seat today as a podcast host and a consultant because, you know, I always just thought I'd be in sales and I under never understood it. But I have, unbeknownst to me and that not planned, I've fallen in love with training. And that's something that you've been doing for the last however many years in your career, throughout your whole career. And so now you wrote a course. Well, actually, let's for a minute, let's back up a second. Um when I first got my license back in 02, 03, whatever it was, I went through a course that you wrote. Uh, I think it was, what did you call that? At Lycoa? It was uh, tap class. Tap class. Yeah. And it wasn't ballet for those. Of, <laughs> it was a dance class. It was training agents professionally. Right. You're right. Tap class. And you wrote this course. And um, just in a minute or so, tell me a little bit about tap class. What that was to you, what that meant to you. Well, tap class was uh, actually uh, down at the home office of, of Life of Insurance Company of Alabama. And we spent four days down there and talked about the whole sales cycle. And it was a wonderful class. It's still going on to this day. I don't teach it anymore, but it was a great class. And just, they just talked uh, about how, how to close the sale, how to make a presentation. Uh, so we had people down there for four days every quarter, and we graduated them, sent them back, and it was a wonderful class. Yeah, there'd be agents from all over the yeah. country there. And yeah. it was so much fun for me. And I still talk to some of those people this day that I've met in my course that are probably still with Life Alabama now, but you'd bring in other sales producers that were successful. And I love that. I remember, you know, um, I think it was John Smith came to my class one of the days and he's a very successful producer still this day in Tennessee. And he came and told his story and how he did it and successes. And it was neat to hear from somebody else. And then you'd also hear from other people that have been through tap class and to see five years later where they're at. So it was nice to see that. And there's programs out there to this day in the PNC world or life and health. My point of that is say get involved in that and you know, send your people. If you're a producer, go to those trainings. But fast forwarding, I guess probably, I don't know, eight or ten years ago, you developed another course very similar. And um, you know, tell me a little bit about what that means to you, what it is, and kind of what you do with that. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, I was uh, teaching a class over at the Big Eye, and, it's, and I'm still teaching a free license class over there, but I was doing a class every month. Every month, And uh, they used to have people come in to do uh, continued ed classes. And the tenure, tenure, continued ed classes could be just part of in Arkansas, you have to have 24 hours of CE class every two years. And I used to see these people come in, uh, and the instructor, which wasn't, they weren't employees of the Big Eye, but they would come in and teach a pre-licensed class. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, CE class. And 
people would be out in the hallway uh, on their phones or on their computer. They'd be sitting all over the class and all they were trying to do was just get their 24 hours of CE. They could care less about what they learned, if they learned anything. And I kept seeing that and I thought, well, you know what? It would be nice to have a class that would give the 24 hours CE, but also it would do more. So I developed a class called Career Builders. I think it was about eight or nine years ago. And uh, it talks about life and health and people and property and casualty uh, class, defining your target market, fear of cold calling, handling objections and stalls, how to make a presentation, how to do, uh, how to make closing principles. So all of this, the last three days, the last day of the three days, we do a lot of videoing. And it's so neat to see an agent come up, and we don't require this, but it's all on a volunteer basis. They can come up, and we can do a presentation there. They can do a presentation, and we could give them some, some stalls. We can give them some uh, how, to, how to close. And then we show it on the big screen, and they can see uh, what they're doing wrong. Oh, I didn't know I was saying us so much. Oh, I didn't know I was making eye contact with the prospect. Oh, I didn't know I was um, using my hands so much. And it's a wonderful class. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that class. I'm proud to be the founder of that class. And I hope it goes on for many, many years after I'm retired. Yeah, it's fun. You know, when I was a, uh, a rep of a company, and I'd go see producers, and I'd talk to them, and Go their numbers, do the whole thing. They'd always say, I just sat through your dad's class and it really helped me. I learned so much about this or that. And so I know it's making an impact. And so to know that you're still being involved in that, still doing it. And I think you, you know, teach it uh, right here live in Arkansas. But if someone is listening from Michigan or California or Idaho or anywhere in between, is there any other options for them? Yes, we got we got it on video. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Could that still be, you know, maybe get approved in their state receipt? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But they can at least get some good sales training. Yeah, they can. I sure can. Okay. And, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing? Like, as you get done with those classes, what's some of the favorite things you hear or see about that? Well, first of all, I have a passion for it. Uh, I think that makes a difference because when we get our evaluation back, it's all, that's always, we're always recognized for it. We have, we have a passion for what we do. And I think that's important. We don't just get them up and we don't just go through a book and say, here, you need to learn this. And yeah, it's a good, a good, good part of the class. We really teach that class with passion. I think that's so important to know that when they walk in our door, our classroom door, they're not a number. They're not the person for us that we just going to get their CE credits and get them out of there. They're a person that's earning a living, that will earn a living, and and we recognize that because we've been there. We have empathy for them. We we know that, and and it's hard to hard hard to to uh, see that now with with I'm not knocking other instructors, but when you're doing social media, when you're doing things online, it's hard. You don't get that. You don't get that. But you get that in live classes, whether it's our class or someone else's class. Uh, I had a guy in my class last week, uh, a pre-licensed class. Uh, we, we tell him the same thing I've, I've told you that we tell classes. But we, I told this guy, he was, um, he, he was in another industry and he was brand new. And um, he and I kind of, we kind of clicked right off. He, he, he texted me the other day and he said, I passed my exam. I don't know what I've done. If you hadn't, you and Rick Rose had made that tutorial, that class come alive. You told stories, and you, you've, um, you've made it. You've made it what it is. And I, 
I, I, that just made us feel so so good to get comments like that. Um, so anyway, yeah, live classes are good. I hope they go on forever. I hope I I can continue to do it. I'm I'm old enough to retire. We old enough to retire, but I still do this because I love it. I have a passion for it. I don't do it full time, but I have a passion for it. Yeah, and so um, could you spend a few minutes or maybe at least 30 seconds or whatever, how, how could they find out more about you? Is there an email address they could email you or they can find you on LinkedIn or Facebook or anything? All of the above. My, uh, my email address is waynesharingeducation.com. I'm sorry. And then uh, I think you have an email address at insurance career coaching at Gmail. Gmail. Uh-huh. Okay. And I know that because he asked me to help him with his email sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that you know, pop being next door helps a lot, so we can help yeah. each other out. And uh, so it's, but it is nice, you know, to have you know somebody like that. So even if you're in another state, what I would say is um, find a coach, whether it's my dad, whether it's me, whether it's Kelly Donahue Piro, or anybody in between. Find a coach, get involved, um, get them the training they need, and uh, you know, find someone who has a passion for it. I think that's a big thing that you know I've learned watching dad. I've seen him. For uh, 42 now, so 42 years years of my life, be passionate about the insurance business, and it's crazy to think that I had that same passion. I really tried not to. I wanted to be a minister. I wanted to do everything but insurance, and here I am now, 20 something years later, in insurance. Crazy, but and you got another son in insurance. I do. Chase is in the insurance business, doing very well. It's crazy. I'm, proud, I'm proud of both of you all. And your daughter-in-law is in the insurance business. That's yeah. funny. You're surrounded by it, but anyhow, uh, I appreciate you finally coming over to the studio and get you in here. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you get back to it. Any other last piece of advice you want to give? No, I've just enjoyed it. I forget. (laughs) (laughs) It's been good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today in the show in town insurance town we're so glad that you are here because uh i had my father on kind of my hero it's pretty cool to have somebody like that in my office sitting across from me i wish i could have gotten the video footage of it because it was so much fun to sit there with him and to <laughs> we had to do several takes it was a lot of fun though uh my mentor my father one of my best friends so much fun for me thank you guys if you have an idea for your own show i don't know how many times um I've had people reach out to me about this. Go to um, getreadysetpodcast.com and check it out. Um, also, if you got an idea for my show, I don't know. I, I probably fielded 57 emails over the last two years. You should have your dad on. 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 Have your dad on. Dad on. Dad on. Uh, have you ever thought about having your dad on? You talk about your dad a lot. Have your dad on. Well, I did it. It took us two and a half years, but I got my dad on the program. I'm so excited about that. Um he reach out to me, email me, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Let me know. Guys, I uh, hope you have a great day today, and I will talk to you soon. Don't forget about Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys. Look forward to hanging out with you again next week.